Several months ago, uh, in March, I was asked to do the invocation for a retirement ceremony for a, a chief. He had kind of he'd been in the Navy for, about, I think, 24 years. He was actually a senior chief. And uh, it, was a, it was a cool ceremony, really, really wonderful. It was put on by the chief's mess and whatnot. And, uh, but, but kind of after going through the ceremony, the thing that really caught my attention was toward the end of the ceremony, there was this chief walking down the aisle uh, reciting this poem called The Watch. And it was completely recited by memory. And the way and in, in the poise in which he delivered it and the message that he sent, to me, at least in my mind, it was one of the greatest recitations I had seen since I joined the Navy two years ago. And kind of if you've been to a ceremony like this and kind of seen this poem read, I think you probably know what I'm talking about. But if you haven't, no worries. This is essentially what the sailor says. He says, for 20 years, this sailor pointing to the retiring chief, this sailor has stood the watch. While some of us went in our bunks at night, this sailor stood the watch. While some of us were in school learning our trade, this shipmate stood the watch. Yes, even before some of us who were born into this world, this shipmate stood the watch. And the poem continues along this line. The shipmate stood the watch. The shipmate stood the watch through good times, through bad times, through hard times, through all these lonely times, whatever. The shipmate kept us safe by standing the watch. And what, what this poem portrays, at least to me, is it really illustrates and illuminates and, and kind of romanticizes an otherwise very, very drab and very, very boring activity. Standing the watch. Ask any watchstander. It is not that much fun. It's actually kind of boring. And that's a good thing. A boring watch is a good watch. You don't want an exciting watch. That actually creates a lot of problems for all of us. But a, a boring watch is, a, is basically a big kind of cross that a lot of us deal with, especially in the Navy, kind of just sitting there day in and day out, watching and watching and watching, waiting for something to happen, ultimately discover most of the time nothing actually goes on. And like I said, that's a good thing. Well, this watch that, that basically every military since the dawn of mankind has been standing uh, is essential to its, its success. A military that is unprepared is ultimately a military that is exceptionally fragile, and a military that is very vulnerable to attack. And it's the same way with us Christians. If we are not standing the watch, if we are not awake, if we don't maintain that watchful eye, Jesus tells us we will be destroyed. See, this is Advent season, the, the first Sunday of Advent, and, and it kind of begins our new liturgical year. It's, it's the start of, of, if you will, this, this cycle A. It's the start of the, the brand new liturgical year. And what it is, is essentially a preparation. A preparation for two things. One, the first coming of Christ. Everybody knows Advent is kind of like, you know, exciting, you know, standing very, very ready, standing ready to go. To welcome the coming of the baby Jesus in Christmas time. That wonderful experience where we wake up one morning, we get presents under the tree, we get hot cocoa, we all stand together under, you know, around a cake with Aunt Susie and sing, Happy Birthday, Jesus. You know, these wonderful traditions are all part of awaiting and the preparation for, it, for, for Christmas and all part of Advent. But the church doesn't exactly see it just as a preparation for the first coming. Why? Because Christ has already come. December 25th has already happened 2,000 years ago. 
What the church reminds us of is actually Advent, while it is kind of a preparation for Christmas, is more so a preparation for the second coming of Christ. That is, whenever Christ comes again, to judge both the living and the dead. That thing that we recite during the Nicene Creed every single Sunday. Whenever Christ will come to judge the living and the dead. And he talks about this in today's gospel. If we look at the gospel today, it's kind of like an interesting passage. You know, you kind of have Jesus talking about how one guy is going to be taken, the other guy is going to be left. One, one woman will be taken, the other guy is going to be left. It kind of reminds us a little bit of the rapture. Maybe you've heard some of our Protestant brethren talk about the rapture, how one day, you know, you'll be just walking down the street and all of a sudden, boom, your friend's going to just be a pile of clothes. And what that means is basically your friend got taken up into heaven and then you're left behind to be slaughtered and destroyed and whatever. Like that's, that's the general theology of the rapture. Well, and that, that might be true. We don't really know. But what Jesus is actually talking about is actually a real historical event. What happened, basically what Jesus was prophesying, was not just some random event that might happen in the future, which might happen. I'm not saying Jesus' coming will be like that or won't be like that. Nobody really knows, as Jesus tells us in the gospel. But what he prophesies is actually a historical event known as the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D. Back in 70 A.D., the, the, the Jewish government, the Jewish people, decided to revolt against the Romans. And the Romans made a decision to ultimately, it was led by Nero at the time, to ultimately put the Jews in their place and ultimately destroy Jerusalem. And what Nero did at the time was sent his, basically his, his general Titus, over to Jerusalem and essentially laid siege to Jerusalem, surrounded the city, and basically led to a famine, starvation, and ultimately, probably in my opinion, the worst genocide of the Jewish people since, really, and only surpassed by the Holocaust. What it did, it ultimately leveled Jerusalem to the ground, destroyed the temple, and wiped Israel from the face of the earth, up until just recently. And what that did was it ultimately kind of fulfilled this prophecy. In what way? The interesting thing about that destruction of the temple, the interesting thing about that specific historical event, was that no Christians were destroyed at that time. No Christians were destroyed. Why? Because in the year 68... An angel appeared to the watchful Christians and told them to flee Jerusalem and go to the nearby city of Pella, which is a city located in modern-day Syria. And what they did, because they stood the watch, what they did was they avoided catastrophe. And that's what Jesus encourages us for us throughout our lives, to stand the watch, to do that sometimes boring, difficult thing of staying awake in the faith so that we can avoid the upcoming catastrophe. Now, what does that look like? How do you and I stand the watch as Christians? There's three ways that we have, quote, quote, stood the watch, if you will. The first way is through almsgiving. And we know this. We talk, you know, we hear this hundreds of times from the pulpit. Giving to the needy, taking care of those in sick, taking care of those disenfranchised, being kind to those people who are ultimately left behind. Almsgiving, taking care of those who are ultimately not really taken in and ultimately those who are not adopted. The second one that is, a, that is pretty common and ultimately very important, which is hard to do during Advent season, is fasting. Fasting is ultimately saying no to certain foods that we want, saying no to foods that, that give us pleasure, saying no to foods that give us joy, and ultimately so that we can have clarity of mind to do what? Stay awake. Stay ready. Stay prepared. Ultimately, and I mean, it kind of goes back. 
By food we fell, by food we rise. And think about the Eucharist. By fasting, you and I can develop that hunger for the Eucharist, develop that hunger for the Lord, and ultimately have our minds and have our hearts focused on spiritual goods and not just physical goods. But the final thing, and this is one of the hardest ones, and this is the most watchful thing you and I do, and that is prayer. By prayer, you and I literally and physically stand the watch. You and I physically wait for the coming of Jesus Christ. We sit there, we stand there, we kneel there, and we focus our minds on the coming of the risen Lord. And basically, by focusing our minds on him, what we do is we allow ourselves to be open to those messengers, allow ourselves to be open to those angels who will come and remind us and tell us, hey, guess what? I'm coming. Guess what? Jesus is coming around. That might happen today. That might happen a thousand years from now. Regardless, we won't be able to get that message unless we pray and stand the watch. But ultimately, what if it doesn't come up? What if Jesus does not come again in our lifetime? Does that mean that our watch standing has suddenly been wasted? And I don't think so. What Jesus pointed out to us is ultimately that whenever you and I stand the watch, you know what we're not doing? Sinning. We are not immersed in sin. We're not polluting our bodies. We're not polluting our souls. We're not creating more and more problems for ourselves and more and more problems for the world. And by doing that, by staying pure, you and I ultimately are able to, at the end of our lives, present to Jesus a pure soul and a pure body. And what does that ultimately facilitate? What does it ultimately allow? It allows for the ending of this beautiful poem that was recited at that chief ceremony to be come to fruition. Ultimately, at the end of the chief ceremony, at the end of this poem, it says, Shipmate, the watch stands relieved. Relieved by those you have trained, guided and led. Shipmate, you stand relieved. We have the watch. My dear friends, if we stand the watch, if we take Advent seriously, if we pray, if we fast, and we give alms, and we carry that over to the rest of our lives, then God willing, our family, our friends, our priests, will be able to look at us on our dying day and say, shipmate, Christian, Catholic, you stand relieved.